When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rock chemistry. Rock chemistry. podcast. My name is Fred. Joined by Nick Roush. It is what Thursday, February the third. Uh, before we get started, Nick, I just want everybody to, to be safe out there with the ice storm. That's it's not here in Versailles yet. I don't know if it's in Louisville, uh, but it looks like it could be a pretty dangerous situation. So hope everybody stays safe and, and warm during this this storm because I mean, ice storms have hit Kentucky and they've been pretty serious, man. I, you know, I work with the National Guard and I've been a part of the recovery aspect of that. It's uh, it's a dangerous situation. Definitely, definitely. I. Uh... You know, I, I remember the one that was really bad early in the 2000s in Lexington. Um, I didn't have to deal with that one, but there was one in Louisville when I was in high school that got pretty gnarly. So, because, uh, like, you know, it knocks out the power and you're just stuck in the cold and it ain't like yeah. it's 70 degrees outside. So, uh, everybody stay safe out there this week. Yeah, yeah. take take the warning seriously because it, uh, it can be a dangerous situation. Nick Roush, it's been a busy week with Kentucky football. Uh, and I'm not just talking about signing day. The traditional signing day mm-hmm. was yesterday, February the 2nd on Wednesday. Kentucky added a player. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but the big story of the week was uh, offensive line coach Eric Wolford uh, goes to Miami. Matt Jones and Kyle Tucker tweeted out, I uh, don't think it was the most pleasant departures for the departed uh, offensive line coach, you know, on his way or is now at Alabama. Nick, um, not wasn't a good wasn't a good story about how that all went down. And and before you know, we get into the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, this is the last time I want to talk about it because if, if we talk about it anymore, we move into being petty. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, so, right. Uh, but you know, I did write that article that that you know, I've had a ton of former players contact me about which which makes me feel good but some people uh did not like it they appreciate it and i understand i mean we don't you know we just put our opinions out there nick and let everybody else figure out what theirs is you know <laughs> yeah no no I'm, I'm with you and it's one of those things that uh part of it you're just trying to share what happened um because yeah. you know uh college football it's a it's a transient – college football coaches are a transient occupation. There's people moving and going all the time. It's yeah. not that crazy for something like that to happen. Uh, but just in the in – the, it's one thing to leave after a year. It's another thing to do it in that manner. And, you know, it's ruffles yeah. and feathers. 
So uh, yeah, you know, you, you 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 it's it's kind of like uh, what do you say about the guys who end up transferring? Where it's like, thank you, best of luck, see you later. Like you know, yeah. you just kind of there there comes a point where it's like, well, uh, office law was pretty good. He did some good recruiting while he's here. He was here, got some good guys, but um, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah, I mean, my my take and my and the story I had on KSR dealt with a lot of stuff. But my main point, Nick, is, is I think, uh, and I've said this throughout the season, and we you and I've talked about it, and, and you know, I, I don't think he did a good job. He being Wolford as far as uh, what it is and was under John Schlarman. and my biggest point there was he didn't rotate players. There was no rotation. You know, with Schlarman, if you think back, offensive line, you'd have eight, nine offensive nine alignment with a lot of snaps per game. Now, he didn't mm-hmm. alternate out Drake Jackson much because that was really the only center he had uh, at that time. But he gets rotated. Now, Wolford did not do that. His, his starting five, I mean, he, he did a good job with – with Eli Cox, mid-year All-American, developing him. Uh, the move from Fortner from guard to center. And Rosenthal did a good job. I, I, I'm not taking that away. But I think the way that he handled the rotation and the lack of development for the future, uh, the, the offensive line in his semesters in Kentucky didn't regress, but it certain, certainly didn't progress to the future. Yeah. And that, that was my – that was my point there because now you're looking, Nick, if the season started today, you have zero tackles with starts or a high number of meaning, meaningful snaps. Now, you could say, yeah, well, you're going to kick out Horsey from guard to tackle, but that's still – where's your third tackle? Where's your fourth tackle? In my opinion, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Jeremy Flax caught some grief during the season because when he was in games – Sometimes he, he got beat, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. But he had so few plays. Do we have enough to make that judgment on Flax? Is he mm-hmm. ready? Is he not? I don't know. DeAndre Buford, David Wallabaugh, these are all tackles that, that we did not see. For, for me, that creates a little bit of anxiety going into spring practice, moving into fall camp. Well, and, and, you know, the interior is one story. The tackle is a different story. Um, yeah. Dotson played a lot of snaps. Wilson got in there quite a bit. Um, and like you said, Horsey even cross-trained Summit tackle. But there's just – there wasn't a third tackle. It was the it was the Dare and Darian show. And if yeah. anybody went down, which you can't blame him too much. But on the other hand, like it, it, you needed to get somebody some reps in there, especially when Dare – you know, there was a couple times where you're like, what are you doing, buddy? You know, yeah. you show yeah. us a little more. Uh, would have been a good time to get some other guys involved. Um, because yeah, as we I, as we mentioned previously, we just don't know what we don't know. We, we yeah, we have no idea what those guys bring. We we don't know, and and, and that was a staple of the big blue wall uh, under Sharman is, is he trusted his players. I mean, he trusted it, and, you know. And, and I I've been on the sideline. I've been in the stands. I've been in the press box thinking to myself, oh, no, why are they in there at this point in juncture in the game? And then I had to sit back and say, okay, that, that's John Slarman trusting his players. Mm-hmm. If they're in – if they're, it didn't matter to him, and that's the brilliance of, of John – one of the million brill, brilliances of John Slarman is it didn't matter what course of the game it was. 
he trusted his players. It could be in the third quarter at Texas A&M that you're seeing the twos out there, or it could be uh, at home against Central Michigan, for example. So that rotation was never established, and I would go further to the inside guys. I mean, I, I listen, I, I respect holding on to the red shirts for these players, but how many fifth-year players are you going to see from in the future with everything going on? So I would argue that uh, John Young, Jagger Burton, some other guys could have gotten some looks on the inside and played a little bit more in the games they did play. They didn't play much. So, uh, you know, you're losing two tackles and a starting center, and there's a lot of unknowns uh, at the offensive line for whoever gets that job, Nick. So mm -hmm. uh, it's not a concern, but it sure is a point of emphasis as far as what I'm keeping my eyes on during spring practice. Definitely, definitely. Um, and, and I think the other thing, I, I really liked a line that you had in your, your post, Freddie, where you, the the blue collar mentality kind of starts with the offensive line and yes. you know that that's what made Shorman kind of a rare bird is that yeah. he he was able to establish and maintain a culture there and um, you know felt like it, it, you got I don't, I don't want to say you got away from it but you need to have somebody that is 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 going to make that a priority for this football team because it big men lead the way it starts up front and so you yeah. know it, those guys. Those guys, the next guy has to be, come in and, and maintain that that culture. Because if not, then that's when things get on shaky ground. You you, you almost took Sharman for granted what he did with that offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, you're, you're never going to replace John Sharman, and he's he's a legend and love him and just was a fantastic man and coach. And I miss him, but to me, that position can. I think the big blue wall is you, obviously unique to Kentucky, but it's also, in my viewpoint, football is different than basketball. Okay, football, you wear a helmet, you're far away. You know, you're a name, you're a jersey more than you're a face, right? So I think the big blue wall for Kentucky is unique because it is a connector. It is a specific position group that is, is a, that is acts as a connector with the fan base. And, and I think – I think due to Kentucky's blue-collar nature, due to what John Schlarman uh, established there with the offensive line, there is a connection there that is special. That is a that is a special position group that deserves a leader that's going to use it more than just a one-year, one-and-done stepping stone. I'm out. I'm sorry that that may be personal, and yes, I understand the business. I understand there's also. Uh, the personal side of me that's a former player and somebody connected to the program that, that I just I just hope the next is a leader and a coach and not just a coach, if that makes sense, Nick. I, I, it makes sense 100%. Um, and I know that as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, uh, we don't know who's going to be the next one to, to potentially take that job. we got a couple candidates yeah. out there right now, but um, – you know, maybe the next time we're talking, we do know who it is, and and hopefully they they check that box. <laughs> Nick, I have to admit, I laughed during your post today when you talked about how yes, we did have somebody connected to the Rams, but it wasn't Lee and Cohen. <laughs> you know, and then I think the same thing with it. I mean, it just you know, you you narrow down, you get close, you yeah. get the right team, but I mean, you know, it's 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 tough, and this thing is developing. I do think that Zach Insler. Mm -hmm. is, is a name. Matt tweeted that out. You and I have talked about it. 
what I like, many things I like about that potential hire, and again, we don't know what's going to happen, is that he was a, he's a graduate assistant or a GA under Slarman at Troy. He's from northern Kentucky, so this area would mean something to him. Uh, he understands John Slarman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he understands the personality and, and the, you know, the uniqueness of the big blue ball. And, and I, I and he's, you know, with the 49ers, if that does t- come to fruition, Nick, I really like that hire. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I talked about it with Luckett earlier on 11 personnel. Uh, but you've got a guy – Cohen really respects and, and loves what Kyle Shanahan does in the run game. I mean, yeah. you've got to – as creative as he gets. So not only would you have that, but you also have some connective tissue where he worked with Sonny Dykes previously, and and that was Mike Stoops' offense coordinator when he was at Arizona. So th- there's a lot of connections there. I, I like that he's a Kentucky guy. The one thing he doesn't have – that maybe a guy like Walt Wells might have is is recruiting ties to the area. Yeah. Um, you know, he Dykes went from Cal to Louisiana to SMU. So, you know, not really nearby, whereas Walt Wells, head coach at EKU, who's also been mentioned for the job, he's got a lot of Tennessee recruiting ties. So uh yeah. So so you know it's kind of like uh which would you know so yeah I, I think either I can be sold on Freddie. Uh but it it is one of those things that uh you just wonder what the what the priority is in 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 filling this role because the, the recruiting piece you gotta acknowledge because you know in your last 365 days you've lost Clink Scale, Summerall, and Wolford, who yeah. I mean, outside of Vince, they're that they were your big recruiters, you know. So yeah, uh, so uh-huh. you definitely have to acknowledge that piece when finding a new offensive line coach. Yeah, I met Walt Wells. I met at, at the point of we're recording this, I, I didn't know if he was still a candidate or not. If he is, uh, Walt Wells will be a tremendous choice because he was with Sharman. He was a QC offensive line coach at Kentucky mm-hmm. yep. in 2018. And he's a tremendous dude, by the way. I love Walt. I mean, this, he's a friend. I like him a lot. He does have the recruiting ties, especially to Nashville uh, because yeah, yeah. he coached at Western. He coached at Tennessee. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's very familiar with that area. So if, if Walt Wells is still a candidate, yes, I like that a whole heck of a lot. So uh, because, I mean, I think he's a great technician, great teacher, and an excellent proven college offensive line coach uh, with a track record in recruiting. So, yes, heck, yeah, I like that a, bit, a bunch. One thing, one thing I do like about Yenser, going back a little bit, Nick, yeah, yeah. is his, one of his first jobs out of Troy. He was a GA, then he was a coach oh. at Colquitt County oh, down in Georgia. If y'all don't know Colquitt County, too, that the home of Sahin King. And yeah. uh, it was uh, the dude from Two-A-Days, the Hoover, the crazy coach from Hoover. He went to Colquitt County. Yeah. And, oh, man, you want to talk about just a prolific cheater. He, yeah, if y'all, I, I forget that guy's name too. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but they they take their football seriously. They caught him on like a wiretap talking about all the cheating. Yeah. He's doing. it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, they take that. That that is a six A. Is it six A in Georgia? I want to say. I it's, think. It's, I think. I think there may be five A. It's but it's big time football. It's big. It's big yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a national power. It won a national championship a few years ago, and always in a running for a Georgia state championship. Another connection there at Colquitt County when Yenzel was there is Troy Hobbs was a receiver at Kentucky, was also 
on that staff, and there's a lot of ties with Colquitt County. Uh, Evan McKiss got hired by Summerall at Troy, yeah, with Dean Hood. He also coached at Colquitt County, so there's a lot of connections there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Walt Wells, both great candidates. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I think Leon Cohen's going to have a lot of say so in this hire uh, because you want to keep him happy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, how long is he going to stay in Lexington? I don't know. But you want to keep him happy. Right. If you're if you're Mark Stoops. Yeah. And, let him have a, and well, then Woodard, too. You want him to be a little bit involved with this as well, because you're always you're always thinking about that plan. What if you know what if and we'll mm -hmm. talk about that next. What if Cohen goes back to the Rams? What right. are you could do? Obviously. A, a, a common sense thing to do would just be elevate Woodard, you know, in my opinion. So we'll see about that. But uh, this offensive line coach, man, it, need, it needs to be somebody special and somebody that understands the personality. It's not just a position group coach. It's a leader of a, of a, uh, of a brand. And, you know, if, if you think about it and I was talking to somebody, I've done a bunch of radio about this subject, you know, take the national championship, out let's just look at position coach in different sports that is very very important right nick so you could uh -huh. look at the offensive line coach at kentucky in similar light as the pitching coach at vanderbilt right it's 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 a it's a brand it's an entity the pitcher yep. at vanderbilt mm -hmm. so and kentucky is consistently in the joe moore award finalist list so you're talking about a top five offensive line in the country this is an important hire but I think Mark Stoops, Lee Cohen can, can sit back and be very selective because I'm sure we've talked about two candidates, but yeah, I'm fairly certain more. that there's, there's a bunch of people that want that yeah. job. Uh, and, and to further the point about Cohen's involvement, uh, one thing that the last – typically that's like the first guy that your offensive coordinator will, will go get, and yeah. Wolford was already there. Already like in place, yeah. Stoops had already made up his mind that he was going to bring Wolford in. Yeah. Um, before Cohen got hired. So I think this go around, you've got to let him have his say so, especially yeah. with, like you said, that, that Rams offensive coordinator vacancy looming. Um, yeah. And uh, his name's been mentioned. Freddie, I'm, I'm just keeping my fingers and my toes crossed. Uh, Sean McVay likes to promote from within. Yeah, let's, hope he yeah. just, let's hope he keeps promoting from, from within. I get it that Liam was technically within a year ago, but, hey, he'd still have to – that's a whole HR headache. You know, you don't need to go yeah. through all that, Sean. Just 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 promote somebody from within. Liam, he can he can be your offensive coordinator in a few years. My personal – and let's transition into Liam Cohen. My personal opinion is that McVay will hire from within because that's been his – that's been what he does, right? His MO. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's his MO. So I, I I personally think that's what he'll do. Of course, I don't know him. I don't know anything about the Rams other than they're gonna play in the Super Bowl. Uh <laughs> but if just 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 get this out there. If Lynn Cohen goes back to the Rams, you shake his hand and say thank you for, yeah. for showing us how to do it. And who would you recommend for your replacement? Which I think I probably know who that is. Mm -hmm. and, and and be a Rams fan because of him, you know. Uh, it'll be a total different departure between Lee and Cohen and what Eric Wolford went through. Well, and and also, Freddie, there's uh, – you couldn't be mad if the dude went to be the offensive coordinator at the Rams. It's basically uh -huh. NFL coach in waiting. I mean, yeah, McVay has three former assistants that are head coaches right now, about to be four. 
you know, like that. I mean, that, that this is just a great, like, it's a great stepping stone. Hell, they might be yeah. Super Bowl champs. You know, he might be the offensive yeah. coordinator for the defending Super Bowl champs. So you couldn't blame him. Um, and like you said, you'd, you'd have to thank him because yeah. uh, the offensive turnaround was dramatic. He was able to get Will Levis in here. And, and not only did he get Will Levis in here, but a lot, it attracted a lot of talent in a short amount of time, yeah. especially at the past, at the skill positions. Yeah, which which I hate to keep going. I, I hate to keep bouncing all over the place here, Nick. But there's a couple ways to look at recruiting in 2022. Yeah, Zach the may not have the recruiting background or contacts, etc. But if you have Cohen in that system, mm-hmm. you have an NFL offensive line coach that will be successful at Kentucky if we project, you know, what we think he'll do if it is him, just to get that out there. Right, right, right. Then the system and the NFL connection is as much of a recruiting uh, uh, tool as having a coach that goes in and recruits the school, right? And especially if you look at the transfer portal. Transfer portals, you know, some of those are relationship-based, but others are based on, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. I want to go play for that offensive line coach that's from the 49ers and the play caller from the Rams, Right. So it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. You know, you build it and they will come kind of deal. But right, right. Uh, I, I, th- I, think, I think just the allure of what Kentucky could possibly do offensively is, is very attractive in recruiting. Uh, you know, we've gotten into the tackle situations. There's some things that's got to be clarified. But Lee and Cohen, Nick, uh, you know, let's just look at what he did at Kentucky. And this is not a goodbye post. We're not wishing him out the door by any means. We, we want Liam in Lexington. We're, we're, we we're just – this is what media folks do, Freddie. We just get like four steps ahead of everything, you know. We got yeah, to be prepared. It's like Mitch. We got always got to have our short list. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at UK, in one year, Nick Roush – Kentucky uh, averaged 32.3 points a game last year, 21.8. So that's, that's, that's a great jump there. Rushing yards, 200 to 196 passing yards, 224 to 121 total yards, 424 to 318 and averaged more than a yard per play. Nick, you have to just, just think that, man, he, he, he got it done in year one. Mm-hmm. And just imagine what he could do in year two. I, I I don't want to look up the post that I had pulled up earlier because it might my internet might crash out on me if I try to pull up a web page. But uh, I know in yards per play, UK was ranked in the top 15, I think top 10 nationally in yards per yeah. play. And then in completion percentage, jumped all the way up into the top 20 as well nationally. Yeah. Um, it was just a much more efficient, much more well-run offense. And the biggest ones was the situational football. And that's where a lot of the coaching comes in. Red zone and in third Red down. Zone. Kentucky was ranked in like the 110ths and 20th a year ago. And I th- believe it was top 10 in red zone touchdown scoring percentage and sixth overall in third down percentage. Uh, some yeah, of that helps down. you. Yeah, some of that, Kentucky was – a year ago, if you got in third and long, it just wasn't – you just – all right, punt Go team, line. get ready, you know. But with Cohen, he put his players in positions to make plays. It wasn't no Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going to throw it four yards on third and seven. Like, he was getting Wondell Robinson open to make a play at the stick. So, um, that – that 
a lot of the numbers uh, don't always translate, Freddie. Um, but like you can physically see and feel like the, the 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 scoring points per game. A lot of that's just because they turn those red zone possessions into touchdowns. And yeah. it would have been even better if you take out a couple of Chris Rodriguez fumbles. So it, yeah. it really is remarkable what Luke Cohen was able to accomplish in his first year at Kentucky. Yeah, in red zone, like you said, third down efficiency. A lot of that had to do with was the fact that under Cohen, Kentucky didn't have a lot of third and longs. I mean, a lot, a lot of times the cats were ahead of the chains, which is very important. So if if Cohen leaves and we don't want him to leave, who's next? You think it's a it's a natural progression for Woodard to to move up into that offensive coordinator position? The only thing that would give me some pause is just the lack of experience. But if you're yeah. Stoops, the reason why I think it would make sense if it does happen, Freddie, is the timing. Um, ain't a whole lot of guys looking for coaches. I mean, if you play it out, Super Bowl is in February 13th. If, if McVay gets going, it would be almost by February 20th, give or take. Spring practice starts in a week and a half. I don't know how many guys are going to be looking for other jobs in the college coaching mm-hmm. ranks to put in a new offense in the spring. You know, like that's just, that's just asking a lot. So that's why I, I, I do think Woodward would would Woodward would be a natural progression. It just makes sense from a continuity standpoint. Yeah, and then you know everything that returns, hopefully for Cohen, you got Glavis. Mm-hmm. You know, Will Levis is you know is a riser. He could be looking at that. Kenny Pickett jump from uh, one year to a next and moving to that first, second round threshold. Chris Rodriguez and all those running backs. A, a really good group of four ends up Chalk Cummins, Stingle, and Bates, I think is a good room. Uh, only question marks, you know, I don't know if it's a question mark because of we don't know much, we've not seen much at receiver, uh, but Robinson is, is a proven entity. Uh, Harris, I mean, there's, there's some pieces there. Then a bunch of really young, talented receivers to, to go along with Javon Baker. So uh, really the biggest question mark for the offense next year, in my opinion, is offensive line. And it's not a, a doubt question mark. It is we've just not seen the next, right? I mean, right. During, for the last, what, six years, we could, we could look ahead and say, okay, this is the progression of who the starters are going to be. For the first time, we can't do that. A lot of that had to do with Eric Wolford refusing to institute a rotation. Uh, got a late signee, Nick Roush, Noah Matthews, 6'5", mm-hmm. 250, edge defender from Delaware, was a Weber State commit. UK beat Illinois, Illinois uh, for his services. What can you tell us about Noah Matthews? He's a big dude. He's about 6'5", 250, and uh... – he played for a really good team and they were undefeated going in the state championship game had 10 sacks this year. They ended up losing that championship game, all state selection, uh, second player signed from Delaware in this class. He was the two, a defensive lineman of the year to me. was the, th- the three, a defensive lineman of the year. Uh, and, and Kentucky got both of them. So, uh, I, I think the thing that jumps out to me most Freddie is that, when I was going through people for that post on like, here's some late additions that were under recruiter that turned out well, you don't really have to do that anymore because of the transfer portal. They don't take as many flyers on these fringe kind of guys. But Brad White, you know, he he said after signing day that like 
you know, I'm, I'm picky when it comes to my edge guys, maybe to a fault. And yep. you have to be able to do certain things. And, and Keaton and Fearbreed, those guys check those boxes. Not everybody does. So, you know, Matthews does – I'm not sure exactly what it was, but Matthews does something that jumps out to Brad White, and that's 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 all you have to say. For that's all you need, yeah, yeah. That's all you need that, That's the stamp of approval, and I'm good. <laughs> yeah, if, if the defensive coordinator who's produced, what, three top five SEC defenses – and for to help develop Josh Allen, J.J. Uh, Weaver. I mean, his his track record with his edge defenders at Kentucky is very good. Boogie Watson, an undervalued player at Kentucky. If he sees that for a late pickup when you don't have to do that because of the transfer portal, you made a great point there, Nick, then, then Noah Matthews is a player that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. I want to see him on the field. Uh, I want to see him do his things, and I think Kentucky – uh, you know, as much as we're talking about the receiver class, I think the edge class is just as interesting to me because you added some dudes and you, you flipped the room there pretty quick. So uh, not that it was bad, but you added you added some young depth. You need some bodies. Guys, yeah. Yeah. Let those young guys compete and see what they can do. Uh, uh, Nick, are you following the senior bowl? Or not? Uh, I am um, not as much today as Wednesday. Um, but I enjoyed watching Darian Kennard uh, stand up Jermaine Johnson and send him to the back and make him go do push-ups. Yeah. Uh, man, it's uh, – Fortner, too. Fortner's even jumped out. There's a lot – he's getting uh, some nice buzz, too, down there, Freddie. Yes, he is. Uh, a lot of one-on-ones, especially with the offensive line play yesterday. Kennard had his wins, and he also got beat a few times, which is whatever alignment is doing down there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun for me to watch, uh, the senior bow. Uh, I, I've been down a few times for the, for the week. It's a fun week because fans can interact and you can see these players, uh, in, in a virtual tryout and it's fun. Uh, you know, every year, Nick, I, I pick a draft first round projected first round draft pick. That's not. Projected by a lot. Uh, last year was Joe Tryon uh, from Washington who got drafted by Tampa Bay. He had a pretty good year. Year before that was Tristan Wurst. I really loved him, uh, especially, uh, you know, what he did at Iowa and had that reputation like Kentucky has on the offensive line. This year I have another player that, that I, I really have, have really grown to like in the senior bowl and projected to the draft. It's uh, offensive tackle Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. Uh, he was a uh, – He's from he's from Europe somewhere, and somehow got to Central Michigan, played tight end a couple of years, and it moved out to left tackle. He's kind of the he's kind of the under radar guy that I think is going to have a very good career in the NFL. Oh man, there's another guy too, and I wish I could remember his name. Who's an offensive tackle that just looked nasty? Like every single oh. one of his reps, it looked like he was about to fight somebody. Trevor Penning from North North uh, North Iowa, right? Yes, yes, yeah. That guy. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read Dude is violent. He's tried, to, he's tried to start every fight in the Senior Bowl. So. Oh man, I love that. Like, because, and here, here's the thing: is you know, Freddie, that some of those guys, I wouldn't say they're going through the motions, because like they, they know they're fighting for their NFL draft, but there's some that they don't. You don't want to get shown up. 
And it, it's yeah. just got to irritate the hell out of those defensive guys that this dude is just playing like it's the fourth quarter of a conference championship game every single ref. Yeah, the dude from Northern Iowa is just kicking the crap out of people. So I, I love that. Uh, but yeah, practice is on now. So I with uh, Luke and Darian and Yusuf. Uh, unfortunately, Josh Pascal was not there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, I, I reached out. Blackley's got to do with the injury. I, I think so too. I, I never heard anything back. Um, how how tiny does Corker looks in between Fortner and Kennard too? Like yeah, like <laughs> he's, he's a, a big guy. He's a big guy, and he just looks like a little like the little kid that's like tagging along with Big Brother to the yeah. football camp or something. Yeah, and the fact that Kennard weighed in at three twenty six, I think that's just a testament to that kid of how hard he how hard he's worked to lose weight and get down to that. I mean, that's a tremendous uh, accomplishment. A lot of projections are to the Bengals, and that would be great uh, for Darian. So we'll end this with the, uh, with the Super Bowl, Nick. Rams you got another week. Yeah. Who you got? Uh, I'll be cheering for the Bengals, which means the Rams are going to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. been that kind of picking season for me. I, I really do want the Bengals to win, but I just don't know if they've got enough big guns and the Rams, they went all in. I just, I, I think this is the start of something big for Cincinnati, but they've, yeah. but they, you know, it reminds me a little bit of what the Titans did a few years ago when they went on that big run and they just ran out of gas at the end. Yeah. Joe Burrow's good, but like th- this Rams, uh, poor, poor, I mean, Aaron Donald is going to be in that dude's face all freaking night, you know. And if it ain't him, it's Von Miller, it's somebody else. I just think the Rams got too many big guns to to not win this Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I'm a Steelers guy, so it's really hard for me to be for the Bengals. Um, last week, I was for the Chiefs, largely because of Dante and Devin Key. He plays for the Chiefs, so had a connection there. And then the week before, you know, Tyler and and, uh, and Drew are big Titans people, so, you know, kind of supported them. I don't know who's going to win, but I do think – I think something about the Cincinnati team, you know, it's kind of like March Madness when the team just, just finds a way to win, you know. But also like March Madness, it feels like against the Titans and the Chiefs, they've played against higher seeds that shot 20% from the field, you know. Just, just did not did a lot to hurt themselves uh, with the Titans did and the Chiefs having that just inexplicable second half, especially from Patrick Mahomes and how they just – and you have to give the Bengals credit there. So, I don't know. I just think there's something about this Bengals team that's, that's special. And certainly, if uh, you know, Joe Burrow and uh, Chase, they, they've put the AFC on notice that, if it's not this year, it's coming, right? So right, right, right. Big changing of the guard in the NFL. I know Brady out. It, uh, it it some of the graphics annoyed me with like end of an era and had a bunch of quarterbacks that retired like yeah last year and the year before like Eli Manning and Drew Brees and stuff like that. But it's like it is true. The guys that I grew up watching, uh, Big Ben, he's done. There, it's it's we're we're in a new new NFL. So, uh, but yeah. can't say I'm mad about it. No, it's exciting, especially in the AFC with the quarterbacks. Yeah, Josh I mean, Allen. They're, they're, they're all, all, all over the place. You got to tell me, too, that when you watch Josh Allen run over that dude, that it looked a lot like Will Levis running over. Looks a whole, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Will Levis is a smaller Josh Allen. 
pretty much same same skill. You know, I won't say same skill set, but a lot of similarities. Big how arm. they play, their their style. You All know, competitors are style. They're stylistically very similar. Mm-hmm. But you know, the scary thing about it is Nick that uh, Allen is probably two two inches taller, two and a half inches taller, about twenty pounds bigger. So that's scary with Josh Allen for him running that. I mean, that's Man. a that's a defensive end running. It's a freight that, train. You know? Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but what I yeah. like too, though, is that Allen is like an outlier when it comes to late developers. But man, Will for first season starting, I mean, he really showed a lot that second half of the season. So get some more reps under his belt, and man, there's there's a ton of potential there. Absolutely. Well, Nick, you stay safe up there, man, over there. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Like and share, and everything else that you do on technology stuff that I don't know much about. Uh, <laughs> Please be safe. Be careful out there with this ice storm because man, it, it can, these ice storms can be very dangerous and scary. So be safe. Thanks for listening. Go Cats. Go Crowley. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.